So uh, we're going to see how my mic works. Kind of was uh, freaking out at the last service, but I think we're, we expect better things for this service. So uh, Dave was asking you how many of you have finished your uh, Christmas shopping, and I don't, I didn't see your hands go up. Doesn't really matter because I'm going to help you. For those of you who haven't gotten your gifts yet, I have some really good. Yeah, it's not. It's gonna not gonna work. Okay, we'll try this. All right, so uh, I've got a couple of gifts pre-picked for you that are perfect. So uh, if you have a cat, I have a perfect gift for your cat. So um, cats love these, by the way. They love when you put them over their ears, put them on. They just love running around. I don't know where you get it, and I don't know why you would want to get it, but... Anyway, all right, so maybe you don't have a cat, but you want to give somebody who likes food. So, so basically, uh, this is to put a lock on your Ben & Jerry's, or I think it fits other ice cream uh, containers, so nobody can get their paws on your ice cream, all right? Now, my question is, if you open this up and you put it in and put the lock and put it, you know, you've eat some and you put it back in your refrigerator... Who opens one of those and has anything left to save? Don't you eat the whole thing right at that sitting? I mean, there's nothing to put a lock on, right? I mean, I could tell if it's a gallon jug, but this is a little one. This is like, this is barely get this out of the store, right? All right. Uh, you may have a dog. So we, you know, uh, <laughs> to make your dog more sophisticated, right? The last one is my favorite. For those of you who are new moms, have a little babies, we have the baby tortilla. It also comes in a baby burrito, okay? <laughs> These are real gifts. It's just shocking to me. <laughs> um, it's kind of wrong, too, in so many ways. Uh, but there's a gift, and we, that's the, what we want to talk about. The theme is we want to talk about gifts. And we want to talk about the gift that God gave us, because that's really what Christmas is, that God gave the gift. He gave the gift of his son, Jesus. And so we want to talk about that. And I want to begin by reading a passage from Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, we, we, talk, we looked at it last weekend, but I want to read it again. And it says this. You'll know these verses, most of you. For to us, or unto us, a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of his greatness, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. So I want to say three things about uh, the gift of Jesus. The first one is this. Jesus is the gift that we all really need. If I were to stop you and say, okay, think about what is the one thing that you, you think you most need today? What would you say? Some of you may be here and you say, you know, it's my health. <clears throat> You know, I, I need to be more healthy or I need to be healed. I'm struggling in my health, and that's my greatest need right now. 
Uh, some of you might say, uh, no, it's my career. I need, I need to be more successful in my career. I need a better job. I, I'm trying to support my family. I feel like I'm falling behind. It's, it's kind of hand to mouth, and, and that, that's my biggest need. Or you say, you know, money is my biggest issue. Um, I'm in such debt, I need to dig myself out of debt. I just wish I had, um, if I had this amount of money, that would just solve all my problems. Or you may say, you know what, my issue are my relationships, my marriage, my relationships with my children, my relationship with my family, my relationships just in general are just pretty bad. And I need help in those relationships. I need help with me and I need help with the relationships. I'm really, really struggling in those areas of relationships. And those are all valid needs. So those are pretty basic needs. Um, and, and, but here's the thing. Um, my guess is that if, if, if those needs were to be taken care of, you would find the next need that you have that needs to be taken care of. So there's always, in other words, you can plug one hole up, but there's always the next need. There's always something else. And that will become the driving force of your life. That will become the most important thing. It's if I can get that, if I can get that, if I can get that. So it's kind of a, you, you never get to the end of it. On the other hand, and so I'm going to call those, though I think they're real needs and real important, I'm going to call them surface needs because I think deeper below the surface are needs that we desperately need made. Uh, we need, uh, we need those needs met. Um, they're, they're, the surface ones are going to always be there, but the deep, and the deeper ones are. But when the deeper ones, are, and, and what do I mean by that? I believe that there are needs be, be, below the surface of our lives um, that we desperately need to fill, but we can't fill them on our own. And I, I believe that the greatest need that everyone has, that we all have, is we need to be fully known fully understood and truly loved by somebody of great standing. We need to know that there's somebody in this universe who cares about us, who will miss us, who loves us, who has a plan and a purpose for our lives, who understands our heart, understands our thoughts, understands kind of what's going on in our lives, who knows the dark side but still loves us. I think we all need that. We need somebody like that in our life. Jesus said, said it this way, and I like to read his words from Matthew 11. He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you, but I'm finding that people are worried more they are burdened down um, with life, and they're generally unsatisfied. Now, what's, what's amazing to me is if we compare ourselves to the rest of the world population, you're in the top 90 percentile of the world as far as if you live in America. You're in the top 90 percent of the world uh, percentile as far as having the most uh, of everything, the best, the best uh, resources. We have water. We have uh, shelter, we have health care, I mean, we, we have food that's plentiful, uh, it, all those things. rest of the world, it, it, many, many people in the world are struggling just to find the basic needs. We have all those. We have those. And we have them beyond, beyond comparison to the rest of the world. But I think that what's happened is we've fallen into this, uh, this uh, 
it's kind of like a prison, and it's the pris- what I call the prison of our circumstances. We think that if my circumstances would just change, then my life would be better. And so if I could just change my circumstances, then my life will be better. And uh, so then we get into this idea that we c- keep looking at our circumstances, how we are raised, our past, or our current circumstances, and how we're being held down by our current circumstances or whatever it is, uh, politics or society or culture, whatever it is, or we look in the future and we say, you know, my circumstances are what really is, you know, causing me all the, the problem. But what we really need is rest for our souls. I believe that we're more than a physical being. I think that there's, we're a spiritual being. And I think that we need to know that we're deep down. I think the one thing that we desperately need to know is that we're loved, that we're accepted by somebody who's prominent in the world, in the universe. We need to know that. We need to know that we're loved and accept, loved, understood and accepted. And to know that there's somebody that's watching over us, somebody that has a plan for our lives, somebody that uh, can re- reunite us with our Father, somebody who can walk with us and, and, and sometimes carry us through those difficult times of life. I think we all need those things. But here's what I've observed. Jesus isn't under the, the Christmas tree of the world. Um, uh, People are looking for other solutions. A, a Christian, though, is somebody whose eyes have been opened, who admits that Jesus is not what they expected, but what they desperately needed. Uh, the message of Christmas is this. God has landed in Bethlehem as a baby to provide a way back to our Father, to help us find life here and now and forever. That's the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is that things aren't right with us. That what's, right, what's wrong with us is not our circumstances. It goes much deeper. It goes to our heart. It goes to our soul. That we're not just physical creatures. We're spiritual creatures. And that the spiritual and the physical interact with one another. And that deep down within our, within our own lives, when we lay our head on a pillow, no matter how good of a, or a bad of a day we have, we need to know that we're loved. We need to know that we're accepted. We need to know that there's somebody watching over us and somebody who has a plan and a purpose for us. We have to know that. It's the desire of our heart. So that's the first thing I want you to see, that Jesus is the gift that we all really need. Secondly, Jesus is the gift that we, may, we must not overlook. So some of you have projects waiting before you because you have small children and you have to put things together before they wake up on Christmas Eve or something. And, and so you uh, basically, some of you are like this. You uh, have this project that has hundreds of parts so what you do is you calmly sit down and you pull all the parts out. You lay them on the table. You get the instructions out and you lay the parts in the perfect order and check and make sure everything is there. And you have the instructions all there and you go get yourself a cup of coffee and you sit down and you read through the instructions and you get a highlighter out, highlight different parts of it. About four of you do that. <laughs> the rest of you get the box, you dump it out on the table. And it's a Barbie Malibu Funhouse Beach something. And you don't know how it goes together. And you don't look at the directions. You lost them if there were any. And there's parts all over. And it's four in the morning. And you're not doing well. And you have extra parts. And it doesn't look at all like it's supposed to look on the box cover. And you are just completely frustrated. You already just told you you what's going to happen in the next 24 hours in your life. All right. But here's what I've observed. 
There are a lot of people who, when they think of Jesus and they think of Christianity, they say, oh, I know that. I don't need, I don't need to look at a manual. I know how this goes together. I know how to put my life together. I know how, to, I know how it all fits. I know how it all goes. I know what I need to do. I, you know, I, I can figure this out. I don't need to read a manual, and I don't need to consult anything. I've got this figured out. And I believe that there are a lot of people who have given up on Christ. They've given up on Christ, Christmas. They've given up on Jesus. And they've given up for the very simple reason they said, I've tried it, and it didn't work. It didn't work for me. It works for you. That's great. It works for you. That's wonderful. But it, won't, it didn't work for me. And, 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 and I think that, that, that uh, some people have tried to put their lives together. And they tried to figure things out without looking at the manual. And they've, they've been frustrated and they've been disappointed with God and they've given up on God. And they think that they've rejected Jesus. Others basically just overlook Jesus completely. They say, well, that's fine for you. That's good. God bless you, whatever that means. Uh, but that's good for you. But I'm a little bit more educated. I'm a little more sophisticated. I'm a little bit more. I've been out in the world. You know, this, you know I'm not a country bumpkin. And that's not to be an insult on you. Some people need that crutch. But I don't need that crutch. And all I say, if you may be here and have that, Hopefully it's not that, that in-your-face attitude. But I would say to you this. How do you know what to do when you're faced with a moral decision? What should I do here? What's the right thing to do in this relationship, in this, this, what my boss is asking me to do at work? And how do you, how do you say it's right or wrong? Well, I wasn't raised that way. Eh. I mean, where, where do you come down? Where do you come down? Where do you, what's your ethical basis for why you do things? What, what is right and what is wrong? And you can say, well, what's right for me is wrong. You know, maybe wrong for you. Well, you know, that can get a little wonky pretty quickly, right? Or you get to a place where, you know, you're at a place, maybe you're younger in life and you think you're going to live forever, but one day you're going to get to a place where your body's going to tell you, hey, uh, just want to let you know that uh, <laughs> your time is coming, right? And maybe it'll come sooner. Maybe the doctor will say, hey, you know what? Sorry, you got about six months. Now what do you do? How do you have hope? How do you have joy? How do you, how do you get out of bed and say, I've got a reason to live today? You see, it's easy to hold a view like that, but then when it really, when you play the hand, when you play that hand and you play those cards, you go, what does that really mean? So maybe, maybe believing in Jesus isn't so outlandish and so ridiculous. Maybe, maybe there's a sensibility to it because somehow or another we have to make sense of this world if we say, well, there is no God and there is no sense and there are no morals and you just are kind of a blob of natural, evolving process, chemical processes. That doesn't seem like it rings true with the way we live and our feelings and our emotions. I know they're a chemical reaction, but yeah, really, are they? I'm just asking that. It's possible that... Maybe 
Jesus is the answer. So I'm just suggesting, don't overlook Jesus because he may be the answer to the questions you have. He may be the answer to the emptiness you feel. He may be the answer to the hopelessness that you sometimes feel comes out of nowhere and enters into your life. And I'm concerned about this because, and I'm going to talk more about it next weekend, because I'm concerned that we have generations of people who have come to a place in their lives where they realize they've been living without God in their life, and they're now thinking through the, the logical conclusions that if there is no God, then the morality kind of and decision-making and all of that is left to me or to others, and it's all different. We all have different views of that. There's no somebody over telling us what is right and wrong. We're making it up as we go along. But more than that, we're getting to a place where we're saying, why am I alive and what's my purpose and why do I, why should I even live? And I'm concerned about that. I think that's why we're seeing a suicide rate that's just going, I think people are finally coming to their life and they're going, I don't see a reason to live. And actually that's the logical conclusion you come to if you just are an evolving piece of matter that is going through an evolutionary process with chemical reactions. But if you say well, there's a creator who gives your life purpose and meaning, who is interacting with this world and with your life, then that changes things quite radically. So I'm just I'm asking you to think about the possibility that there may be a there may this may not be a solution you should overlook. So I heard a story about, or actually read it, about a man. His name was Rick uh, Antosh, and he's uh, 66. And he was meeting a, a friend at a New York City uh, restaurant for lunch. And he went in and ordered his, rather, re, his regular uh, pan roast stew, and it was uh, $14.95. He paid $14.95. You'll see why I gave you the amount. So he's eating his stew, and in his stew, there's six Blue Point oysters, so he's, you know, you know, you're eating your stew and you're shoveling it in your mouth. You're chewing, you're having a conversation. And all of a sudden, he felt this hard thing in his mouth. And the first thing he thought of was, I lost one of my fillings, you know. And if you've ever had a filling fall out, you go, oh, no. You know? And he, he brings it out and he realizes it's not one of his fillings. But he found uh, at that moment, he found a peace-eyed pearl worth between somewhere, and they didn't, they didn't have the price, but between somewhere between two and $4,000. you imagine that? $14.95. You have a nice uh, stew, and you come out with a pearl worth two to $4,000, right? And Jesus tells a story. It's kind of interesting. He, he, he does a similar thing. And he says this, Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. And my question to you is, have you found the pearl of great value? Notice the man's reaction. He finds this pearl and he says, I'll sell everything for it. It's worth everything that I have. Everything that I own, I'll give it all up for that. And some of you have found that pearl of great value, found forgiveness and acceptance and hope and purpose and meaning. 
And you can't believe that you have been so blessed. You wake up every day and you say, how could it be so good for me? And if I were to stop, if I were to call a timeout right now and say, tell me about your life before Jesus and tell me about your life after Jesus. Many of you would say, uh, you, you maybe go on and you describe your life before Jesus and you would talk about hopelessness. You would talk about depression. You would talk about fears. You would talk about, you know, all the loneliness and all these other things. And then you would say, now after Jesus, and you would describe your life and people who know you would say, and maybe they only know you after Jesus, and they say, you can't, you're lying, you can't, that can't be who you were. You say, it was. But I found the pearl of great value. And he changed my life forever. And he's still doing it. He's still doing it. And the other thing is, what we see in this man is that he's all in. It's like, this isn't like one foot in, one foot out. He is all in. He says, well, listen, I'll sell everything for this. And what Jesus is saying is that you have to be all in for me. You can't be one foot in and one foot out. Some people have said, oh, I tried Christianity. I tried Jesus. It didn't work. And what they're saying, and we'll talk more about this, is they said, I tried religion and it didn't work. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about giving your life fully to God. Um, those of you that have given your life to God, and it's, it's, it, it's your life, you can't, you can't believe your fortune, your good fortune. You have a hard time wrapping your brain around that the God of the universe would, would get off his throne and come to have, from heaven to earth and live the life you should have lived and die the death you should have died on a cruel cross. You can't wrap your brain around that. And every time you think about it, it brings you to tears. It just breaks you down. Third thing, Jesus is the gift that we must receive by grace. Um, Christmas tells us that Christianity is not a work religion, but a gift religion. Um, let's just say that uh, you, you have a job. Let's say you're working a job this week and you work 40 hours this week, eight hours a day, and you punched in every day. And you were there 10 minutes before work. You punched in. You worked hard for eight hours. You punched out. You're tired. You go home. You eat. You spend a little bit of time hanging out. And then you go to bed. You get up the next day. Do the same thing. You've done that all day, all, all this week. And then you come to Friday. You punch out. And the boss uh, greets you as you're ready to walk out the door with your paycheck. And says, here's my Christmas gift to you. And you look at it and you go, well, that's exactly what I would have made irrespective this is not a gift. I earned this. You paid me this much per hour. That's what I'm getting, minus what the government takes out. What are you talking about? This is not a gift. I've earned this. You owe me this. This is not a gift. You had to figure out what a gift is. It's not even a bonus. Now, you might not go off like that because your boss might not want you to work for him. But then, you know, he's not a very good boss either. But here's the point. The scripture says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, given. Now, this is pretty important because this means that Christianity is all of grace. The son is given, it's gifted to us, he's gifted to us. Everything that God has done is, does is given to you. It's, it's sheer and complete grace. It's his total generosity. You don't work for it. It is gifted to you. Jesus is the son who is given. We didn't earn him or deserve him. 
Now, this is really, really important because much, much of our world today is based upon works religion. And what do I mean by that? Work religion is always asking, how am I doing? Have I done enough? Is there more I must do? It's comparing yourself to others. How am I doing compared to others? It's this idea that I have to do enough to be accepted or to be acceptable. And, and we end, if, if, you've, if you've been part of works, and by the way, there are a lot of people going to church today, they'll be going to Christmas Eve, and they are following this work religion. They're doing it because that's what they're supposed to do. That's what they have to do. That's what they feel compelled to do. They're not doing it because they're, re- they're there to worship God. They're there because they are required to be there. They feel compelled to be there. They're, it's part of their resume that they're working on. And so people, who, many, some people say, I tried Christianity. I tried Jesus. And it didn't work. And what do they mean by that is this. I worked. I went to church. I believed in God. I gave some of my money. I even served now and then. I did all these things. And I asked God for one thing. And it might have been a great thing. They might have said, God, heal my mom. She's sick and she died. It may be, God, I'm in this, this horrible mess with, with, uh, with my finances. Would you help me? And God just kind of didn't show up. I didn't hear him. And you know what? I can't believe in a God like that. What are they saying? They're saying, God, I've done all these things for you. You owe me. That's work for religion. And they've rejected that. And they said, I prayed for God to come through and he never came through. And what they're saying is, God owed me and he didn't answer. Therefore, I'm out of here. And they think they've rejected Jesus Christ. They think they've rejected. They haven't rejected Jesus Christ. They haven't rejected Christianity. They've rejected works religion. That's what they've rejected. What is Christianity? Christianity says, well, let me give you an illustration. Let's just say that you have some, (laughs) some of you say, it's just one. (laughs) Let's say you have somebody in your life and they just are kind of making your life miserable. They, every chance they get, they kind of backstab you. They're, they're mean spirited. They're harsh. They're, they're, uh, they're just not nice. They're just not nice to you. They're just not pleasant to you. They're, you don't want to call them an enemy, but you wouldn't call them a friend. You obviously wouldn't call them a friend. My guess is that if you are doing Christmas card or family photos or sending presents out, they're not on your list. And you're not feeling bad about them, leaving them off the list. You, in fact, you would go, oh, so, 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 so there. Now think, here's the second thing I want you to think about. So think of that person. Like I said, maybe some of you have two or three people like that. Sorry. Um, all right, but think about the people who you are you're most close to, that you love the most on this planet right now. They're with you. They, you love them. You, you, you would do anything for them. Now, you may have two or three names. You, you say, I have five people that I can think of right now. I have one person. I have two people. All right. So... If you were to say, I want to give the best possible gift, the apple of my eye, this person to that person that I hate. Why would I even do that? I don't like this person. They're they're not nice to me. They're not kind to me. They're not good to me. They, 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 They turn their back on me. They've said things. They've done things. 
They betrayed me. What did God do? God gave you the apple of his eye. A son was given to you. And you were not his friends. The Bible says we were enemies. We had turned our back on him. And God gave us the greatest gift that he could give us. The one thing we desperately needed. The apple of his eye. And, and how do we treat this present? We mocked him. We ridiculed him. We put him up on a cross and executed him. The apple of his eye. And so you begin to understand that when Isaiah says that God has given us the apple of his eye, a son has been given. And instead of embracing the son and saying, thank you for coming and thank you for being here for us, we executed him. Paul puts it this way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so Jesus came and was given to us some to people that didn't deserve to have this gift. And the apple of his eye. God gave the best that he could. The apple of his eye. He gives us his beautiful, wonderful son who was brutalized and beaten to death as a common criminal. It's unimaginable that God would do this for us, but that's exactly what he did. Christianity says a son has been given to people who don't deserve it. You don't deserve him. God has given us the apple of his eye to save us, to do, do, do for us what we could not do for ourselves. In a word, God has gifted us with the gift that we always needed, but we never knew. I just want to tell you this Christmas that you may think that your health is the biggest issue in your life or your finances or your relationships, and they are big issues. The biggest issue in your life is to know that you've been set free. That to know that you're loved, that to know that there's somebody in the universe who knows you deeply and knows you completely and still loves you and accepts you and has a plan and a purpose for your life both now and forever. That's the message of Christmas, that God has landed on earth for you and for me. And so what do you do with a present when somebody gives it to you? You don't pull your wallet out and say, how much did that put you back? Right? You don't do that. It's an insult. You say, thank you. And Jesus wants to come into your life and begin to do a transformation that will give you purpose and meaning and joy and hope and, 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 and all those things if you'll let him. He's not going to force his way in. But Isaiah says, a son was given. Do you know the son? Have you accepted the son? Have you received the son by grace? Because that's how you receive him. It's a gift. You just open it up and say, thank you. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand the grace of Christmas. 
that Jesus was given to us, and he is the gift. The apple of your eye was gifted to us, and he willingly came, and he willingly lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. And Father, if there's anyone here in this room right now who has never called upon the Lord, maybe overlook Jesus completely, wherever they're at, Father, we just pray that they would begin a journey to you uh, an all-out search for you, because we know that if they start an all-out search for you, you'll find them. For those of us, Father, who found you, well, you probably found us. We can't thank you enough. We are so grateful, and we are so thankful. We are so unworthy, and yet you, we are so loved by you, the most important person in the universe. Everything else around us in our life pales in comparison of being known and loved by you. And for that, we are so grateful and so thankful. We give you praise and honor and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat>